Well, happy Mother's Day, moms. We are grateful for you. And I have no doubt that this is a Mother's Day uh, that will go down in the books. You will remember this day, for better or worse. But I hope one day you can look back on Mother's Day 2020, uh, smile, even laugh a bit, uh, and certainly give God thanks for His sustaining grace during the COVID quarantine. Uh, Church family, I want you to know that in keeping with recent tradition, uh, we are making a $1,500 donation through our missions budget to Save a Life Shelby a Christ-centered pregnancy resource center right here in our own county in honor of all of our mothers. And so mothers, grandmothers, other ladies who have pointed us to Jesus, thank you uh, for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your devotion and example um, of following Jesus Christ. Well, today we're going to wrap up our Family Matters series, and we're going to do so from 1 Timothy chapter 5. Next week, we're going to go in a bit of a different direction for the remainder of this month. We're going to begin a new series from John chapter 14, looking at some well-known words of Jesus, a message series titled Comfort in Quarantine. But today, we look into 1 Timothy chapter 5. And before we open up God's Word, just a bit about where we've come from over the last few weeks. We began at the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of God's Word, Uh, We looked at the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, specifically uh, God's creation of the first uh, man and the first woman, the the human race, and what it means that we as people are created and crafted in the image of God. And then we looked in Genesis chapter 2 at God's design for marriage uh, before last week camping out in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and hearing from the Lord some foundational instructions for what it means for moms and dads uh, to pass on the faith. Uh, to teach our children the ways and the word of the Lord. And so now we we close out this series uh, by retaining what we've heard and, and I hope broadening our understanding of the family. Uh, so Paul writes this letter. Uh, Paul writes First Timothy. He writes it to Timothy, his, his son in the faith, as he calls him. He writes to Timothy, a co-laborer in the gospel. Uh, he writes uh, to tell Timothy specifically here to stay in Ephesus uh, and to straighten out the church. Uh, the church had been impacted negatively by some false teaching, and Paul essentially says to Timothy, young uh, Pastor Timothy, stay there and uh, get this church back on course, and here's some guidelines to do so. And in the course of this letter, he gives some specific instructions for various people in the church and how to relate to them. And so in First Timothy chapter 5, this is what uh, Paul tells young Timothy. He says, uh, Do not rebuke an older man harshly. But exhort him as if he were your father. Uh, Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, Father, help us not to deny the faith. Uh, Lord, help us... uh, to hear your word now, uh, help us to apply it to our lives uh, by your, your, your spirit's presence and power and guidance that we might walk with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
Well, I want to take a, a slightly unconventional uh, approach to this text today and hone in on two two truths, two two key truths that I think we glean from this portion of God's word. And the first is this: that Jesus calls us to love our families well. Jesus calls us to love our families well. Now, admittedly, this is not the primary point of this text. Rather, it's an assumption behind this text. Uh, this is an assumption that, that Paul, the human author, and God, the divine author of this text, makes about God's people, that parents are to care for their children. Uh, children are to obey their parents. We're, we're to love and we're to befriend our siblings. We're to honor and care for our aging parents and grandparents. You know, last week as we talked about parenting, I, I lamented a bit uh, over uh, the constant challenge that many parents are feeling right now in caring for their children 24-7 uh, during this uh, COVID uh, quarantine. Schools are out. Daycares are closed. Organized sports are on hold. Uh, church gatherings are delayed. And so parents, and most often moms, are burning the candle at both ends. And as difficult as it can be, as exhausting as it can be, no other relationship is suited for that kind of care. We care for our kids. We love our kids, even when it stretches us, even when it's difficult, because there's a familial bond and inexplainable, unexplainable, and incomparable love that is given to us by God. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that this is something that God has given to parents in his good and perfect design and his plan because he knows without that bond, things would go south in a hurry. I can at times be patient with my kids when I teach them, when I train them, when I supervise them, all those things that come along with with being a parent. I have a certain patience with my own kids that I would not expect you to have with my kids because they're my kids. You know, we love and we care for our children because one day, maybe not because one day, but certainly with the hopes that uh, one day they'll remember that um, and they'll care and love us. They'll return the favor when we need it. This familial bond is a common grace that God gives us all. Jesus calls us to love our families and to love them well. He says here, the Bible says here, Paul writes here, he says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repay their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Verse 8, he says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The point is that even unbelievers do this. Even unbelievers provide for family members in need. How much more should Christians provide the same? Jesus expects his people to love their families well. What it means is that we, we care for them. We love them. We, we provide for them. It means that we do what is, is best for them. And of course, if you're a parent, it means that you provide for your children. You, you take care of their needs. You make sure that they have everything that they need to survive and thrive as far as it is in your control. It means that you do everything that you can to teach your children about life and about life in Jesus. You do everything in your power to help them grow up to know, follow, and serve Christ. And if you're a child, 
It means that you honor your parents. For you kids out there, if, if you're anything like my kids, then your house is getting a little wild right now with toys and paper and clothes and who knows what else all over the place. And when mom or dad says it's time to clean up, Jesus expects you to do what they say, to honor your parents, to respect them, to thank them, to obey them. I'll be honest, I never understood the continual sacrifice that my mom or dad made for me and for my brother, for my sister, until I became a parent myself. Children, honor your parents, love your parents, respect and obey your parents, even when you disagree with them. Follow them as long as they are following Christ. But perhaps the the clearest call for families here is is to provide for parents and grandparents as they age. You see, Christ followers should support their relatives in need, and in the ancient world, the elderly were often in need, especially the widow, which is where Paul goes with this text. They're in need of, of physical care. They're in need of financial support, and the responsibility to ensure they have what they need is on the family, most often kids. Or grandkids. You know, many today are lamenting large losses at present in 401ks. But friends, Paul is writing before 401ks. Uh, Paul is writing before pension plans. He's, he's writing before insurance policies and uh, before disability benefits. Paul essentially says, as your parents and grandparents have cared for you, so now go and do likewise. Go care for them. What a reminder for us on Mother's Day. What a reminder for us. We Let's love our mothers. Let's love our grandmothers. Let's love those who have loved and cared for and provided for us. Jesus calls us to love our families well. What does it mean to love your family well? I made the mistake this week of asking my wife that question at the wrong time of day, at the end of a long day. I said, babe, what does it mean to love your family well? And she said, well, it means that husbands um, uh, do those dishes right over there and that husbands fold the laundry that uh, their wives just pulled out of the dryer right there. Paused and said, okay, what, what does it mean for you? You know, you know, it could mean a lot of things for all of us. It means different things in different contexts. What, what does it mean to, to love our families well and often the way that We receive love may not be the way that we need to give love to our families. Love for our families can be shown in many ways. You know this. We don't have to walk through this. But in short, I think it means that we make sure their needs are met, that we care for one another, that we provide for one another, that we love the family that God has given to us. But you know, the main message here is not for families. It's not about families, not about individual family Unit. Certainly there's a message here for families. We've all been given a family. We've been raised by a family. But the message here is for the church. Paul is writing to the church. He wants Timothy to share this message with the church. It's assumed that you're going to love your family well, well, because they're your family. But Paul is saying that if you are part of the church, if you're part of the body of Christ, if you've been saved by the grace of God, then those who comprise the church are also your family. Jesus certainly calls us to love our families well, but Jesus also calls us to love our church family well. Calls us to love our church family well. As children of the same Heavenly Father, 
We're family. In fact, in the previous chapter, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Point these things out to, to, to the brothers and sisters. The, the word in the Greek is adelphos, or, or brother. It's here a, a reference most likely to, to a mixed gender company, brothers and sisters. The family, point these things out to, to those who are part of the church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says, point these things out to the family. And by the way, this is one of the reasons I think church membership matters. This is one of the reasons why I think we're called to be connected to a local body, a local congregation, a local church. We're called to belong where there's organization and care and accountability. And that's essentially where Paul is going with this. How to administrate a a list, in this case, a a list of widows for whom the church provides. You see, apparently the the church there in Ephesus was so interested and consumed with caring for those among them who were in need. This is a a positive thing. So so consumed with caring for one another that there were too many uh, widows, too many folks in need on the church welfare program. And so Paul gives some instructions. He essentially says uh, to Timothy, uh, there's two qualifications, or or put these two qualifications in place before someone can be put on this list. First, they must have a lack of family who can care for them. And second, they must demonstrate spiritual maturity. In those cases, uh, Paul says the church is to fill in the gap as an extension family. He essentially says, point these things out to the family, and then he tells young Timothy how to talk to the family. Don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Uh, Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. In other words, he assumes that believers know the right way to speak to and regard members of their own family. And then he says, go and do this in the church. Love one another this way. Speak to one another this way. Consider fellow believers in the church as your brothers, your sisters, your fathers, and your mothers. Sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus' words in Mark chapter 3. Mark says this. He says, Jesus looked at those who were seated around him in a circle. And he said, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. Jesus wasn't neglecting his earthly family, but Jesus was extending an invitation to be part of his family. Jesus was expanding his family by inviting whosoever will to become a part of his family. Have you become part of his family? Have you responded to the invitation of Jesus? Have you been welcomed into the family of God? Have you been adopted into the family of God? Are you in the family of Christ? You see, the scriptures say this in Galatians chapter 4. They say, but when the set time had fully come, at just the right time, in the providence of God, at just the right time in history, God sent his son. God, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. In other words, he sent his son to, to live the life that we couldn't live. We didn't measure up. We didn't live a life. None of us have lived a life. We still don't live lives according fully according to God's standard. But here is one who has, and this is why it came. God says, at the right time, I sent my son to live under my law, under my standard, and to live a perfect life according to my will. Ultimately, why? So that we might receive adoption. 
to sonship. So that we might be welcomed in and claimed as his own, claimed as children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Bible teaches that when you recognize your sin against God and you turn from it and you trust Jesus for forgiveness, then you become a child of God. Are you a child of God? Do you call God your father? The Bible says when we do this, we're adopted into his family. Child of God, are you loving your new family? Jesus said you'll be known by your love for your family. Jesus said by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you're my people, that you're my family by the love that you have for one another. So how's your love for your family? How's your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? What does it look like? What does it look like for us to love one another as family uh, during the present pandemic? Friends, we're family. Let me give just a few suggestions, a few beginning points for what it may look like for us to love one another as family. First, pray for the family. Pray for the family. Your family and the family of believers, the church family, lift up their needs to the Lord. God hears the prayers of his people, so let's be a people who, who lift up prayers to him. Let's be people who bow before him. Let's let's know our family's needs. If you don't know your family's needs, ask them. Call them. Ask your brother, your sister, how you can pray for them. Ask your brother and sister in Christ how you can pray for them. And then pray. Pray over your church's prayer needs. Pray for one another. Let's be a people who pray for the family. And second, let's be a people who provide for the family. Provide for the family. Your own family and your church family. Make every effort to see your relatives cherished and supported from conception to natural death. Sometimes this means moving a loved one into your home. Sometimes this means moving a loved one out of your home. But in either case, you do everything you can to supply the needs of of the family that God has given you. And to provide for your family also means making every effort to see your church family's needs and ministry supported by giving generously for the glory of God. Pray for the family, provide for the family, and finally, let's be a people who invite others into the family. Invite others into the family because we know that we have received a gift we didn't purchase. Uh, We have received a position that we did not attain. We have received a Savior we do not deserve. And so we eagerly desire others to have the same. So let's be a people who tell them. Let's be a people who extend the invitation. Now is the perfect time. You know this. Now is the perfect time to check on your neighbors, to see how they're coping, to see how they're doing, to see what needs they may have. Perhaps to tell them how, how you're coping, how you're trusting the Lord during uncertain days how your faith is in him because he has shown himself faithful before and you know, you're confident that he'll show himself faithful once again. You know, people today are lonely. There's no doubt about it. By and large, people were lonely before this pandemic, but there is no doubt that anxiety and depression and loneliness are on the rise in your neighborhood. So let's be people who check on one another. Be a people who check on our neighbors. Let's love folks by inviting them to experience God's grace through the gospel of Jesus. 
Meadowbrook family, our gatherings have changed for a season. You know this. You're well aware of this by now. We're doing ministry in a different way. We're staying connected in different ways, but we're still a family. Let's act like a family. Let's love the family. And let's be a family of faith, a family of of Christ followers who love and care for one another, yet who are always looking to grow the family. Let's be a people who extend an invitation to God's family. Well, as we close this morning, let me just leave you with a few action steps, three action steps to take today to begin to apply the, the truths of God's word found in this passage to your life today. First, uh, perhaps most obvious, uh, call your mother. Call your mother. Call your grandmother. Call someone who has shaped you in the faith. If your mother, if you're privileged to have a mother or grandmother or a mother figure in your life here on earth today, call them today. Check in on them today. Thank them today for their love and care for you. Second, Call someone in your church family today. Reach out to someone in your church family. If you're part of this church family, if you're part of the Meadowbrook family, pick up your phone today and call someone in your church family today. You may call them up today and say, hey, Pastor Chris said, uh, call someone in our church family today. I want you to know you're the one. I'm calling you. I'm checking on you. How are you? How can I pray for you? Any needs that you have? Call someone in your church family today. And then finally, check on an unchurched neighbor today. Check on someone who who lives near you. You may or may not know if they attend church or know Christ. Check on them today. See how they are. Uh, Begin to to build a a friendship, a relationship with them, or to continue an existing one, ultimately for the purpose of, of sharing and showing the love of Jesus with them. I want you to know, uh, church family that our staff is is working now to put together some care packets, some little gift bags. This is nothing nothing special, nothing extravagant with some some basic items. In fact, some of our our ladies in the church are, are working diligently to to make some cloth face masks, and we're going to put some other items in here, some little expressions of, of kindness and love that we want you to give to your neighbors. Uh, our, our goal is to have five hundred of these sometime by the end of of this week. Uh, and then encourage you uh, the following week, and so know that we'll we'll communicate that with you at the right time. But I encourage you to come by and to pick two or three or four or five or, or eight of those up, and to deliver them to your neighbors as an expression of your love for them. To say, hey, here's a gift from our church uh, for you. Um, let me know if I can serve you in any way, friend. Let's be a, a neighborly people. Let's be a people who love the Lord and who love His family and who love our neighbors, ultimately with the hopes of seeing more folks come to know and to follow Jesus. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to walk with you today. Father, we pray that you would lead us to, to delight in you today, to give thanks to you today for your work in our lives, for your saving grace, for your sustenance, for salvation Father, lead us to know you and to serve you, to go in your spirit, and Lord, to proclaim the riches of your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.